You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our uh, virtual service. We'll be doing this for the next couple of weeks. We'll be recording our messages and sending them out. Uh, we'll also be sending along some uh, music worship videos for you to check out and uh, some Treehouse Kids uh, videos and, and activities and things like that that parents you can do with your kids. If you're not receiving uh, that email if you're not, and uh, you're just seeing this online and you'd like to receive that, uh, you can email us. We'll make sure to get you uh, set up and connected for that. And I know this isn't the same as being together, and uh, we're going we're gonna to make the best of it. Um, but I will say for those of you who usually sleep while I preach, uh, you can do that now uh, from the comfort of your own couch. And uh, you'll, you won't even know, I won't even know that you're doing it. So, uh, so that's it. So uh, looking forward to, to seeing how this works. And, um, and hopefully it's as impactful and as, uh, as encouraging as we can be uh, through, through technology and video and things like that. All right, so basically, um, coronavirus is just ruining everything. Just, just everything. There's no March Madness. There's no baseball. There's, well, basketball, nobody really cares. Um, there's no school. Um, there's so many things that are getting canceled right now. And if you know me, you know that uh, I have plans. I'm somebody who likes to plan. I have a lot of plans. And this is really, uh, really screwing up my plans. Uh, and not, not just plans, but I mean, I felt like God had guided me in this plan-making process. And so <laughs> you're just sitting there going, okay, God, like, what's going on? You know, why, why am I, why, why are you messing everything up here? Why are the plans changing? Why are the plans changing? I'm really having a hard time with this. Um, and it's very much, as I was thinking about it, very much like the grief process. Uh, there's first denial, you know, that this is not really going to happen, right? We're not really going to have to cancel services. We're not really going to have to do this stuff. And it moves from there into anger. Like, there is no March Madness? Come on, what am I supposed to do? Right? There's no school. There's no church. And then you move into that stage of bargaining. Right? Okay, God, here's the deal. If I'm really good, if I'm really good, maybe, you know, can we, can we at least have Easter service? Or can our something new conference still happen, please? Or our trip to Mexico, can you just, if, we, if we're really good, if we pray a lot, could you, could you work it out and we begin to bargain with God? Because um, you, you want to do that, right, God? You, you're interested in helping us do all those good things for you, God, right? You know our plans to do good for you. God, can't you work that out? And then from there you move to depression where this is just absolutely the worst and this is no point anyway. Why are we even trying anyway? Why are we making plans? Because it's all going to be screwed up anyway. It doesn't really matter. And uh, so I'd been better off if I hadn't done anything. So now I'm just going to do nothing. And then from the last stage of grief, you just move into acceptance. Like, all right, I guess we got to put on our big boy pants again or, you know, pull up ourselves from, from, from the floor and get up and let's just... Let's pull ourselves together and get through this one step at a time. And uh, it really is sort of a grieving process as we go through this. It's, it's something, it's definitely something new. It's not what we had anticipated. Um, but I'm not sure where you are in this. You know, I'm still probably in the bargaining, <laughs> bargaining stage. Not depressed. I haven't had gotten there yet. But here's the problem. I, I definitely should have seen this coming. Um, you can see on the wall behind us something new. We knew this was going to be a year of something new. Oh boy, I had no idea what something new meant. I really didn't. When we planned this and talked about this, I had no idea that this was going to look like this. Um, so I, I, I own it. I'm sorry. And not only that, um, when we planned out this year, we scheduled for this week and next week. We did this back in like October. 
we have these two weeks earmarked for a series called A Change of Plans. Like, you can't make this up, right? You really can't make it up. A change of plans. Uh, I'm going to have to reevaluate our decisions. We really are, because uh, these words, uh, we think they sound great, but when it comes down to it, you're like, man, it's it just not, it's, it's accurate, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. Um, so, uh, anyway, this is what, you know, this is, this is obviously part of the plan, and I'm fairly certain that we're supposed to preach this series because it fits so well with the change of plans. Like, we're just going to go with it, we're going to run with it, and it all begins with a guy named Jonah. Uh, probably many of you have heard the Sunday school story or, or the Bible story of Jonah and the whale. You're familiar with, with some of that stuff. Uh, Jonah lived around 750 B.C., uh, a long time ago, uh, a, few, a few, few years back. Uh, at that time in history, the Assyrians were the dominant force in the world. And Jonah was a man that God wanted to use to speak to his people. And he particularly wanted Jonah to speak to the people of a city named Nineveh. Um, and Nineveh was not an Israelite town. They were, they were not Israelite people. So this was not, this was outside sort of the kingdom of God, <laughs> the people of, <laughs> people of God, excuse me. This was outside that. I don't have Corona. That's allergies. It's all right. Um, and uh, for those who are caught up, you know, you're not caught up on your ancient history. That's who it was. These are Assyrian people, um, again, outside the kingdom of God. And we're going to pick it up in, uh, in Jonah chapter one. And uh, you have to excuse me for reading. I don't have it memorized just yet. Uh, should be on the screen for you there. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. That's easy to say. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So essentially... Uh, God sends him one direction, and he went the other way. It says, as they're sailing, a storm appears. A big storm comes up, and all the sailors are afraid. They're crying out to their gods, and there's nothing. And so Jonah's actually sleeping below deck. They finally think, how could you sleep at a time like this? Can you wake up, pray to your God? Maybe your God can help, and nothing. So they draw straws. It says they draw straws to see who's, maybe what's the, what's the culprit here. And it comes out, Jonah's the issue. They ask him, who are you? What's going on? What's the deal with this? And Jonah says, well, here's the deal. It's really simple. I'm just running from my God who told me to go here. He just happens to be the God of, of the sea and the God of the earth and the God of all creation. And the sailors, like, lose their mind. And Jonah says, it's really simple. Here's what you need to do. You need to throw me overboard. And if you throw me overboard, then the storm's going to go away. And the sailors don't want to do that. They're like, oh, that's extreme, buddy. So like, they try and fight the storm, and it's just not working. It's a losing battle. And so they get themselves together and say, okay. So they, they offer up a prayer to, to Jonah's God and say, okay, God um, of Jonah, we're going to throw him overboard. Please don't hold us accountable. He told us to do it. It's, it's not our fault. Would, would, would you just show us some grace? And they throw Jonah overboard, and it says the storm stopped instantly. Instantly, so dramatically that all the sailors were stunned and in awe, and they said, "Whoever this God is, we need to worship." And they bowed right then and there. We're going to worship this God because this is this is for real. This is this is serious stuff. So they they sail on. Jonah sinks into the water. He should be drowning. He should be a goner, except for the fact that it says uh, God sent a great fish to swallow him. Literally swallow him. And he lived in the belly of the fish for three days. Now, many people ask, is this fact? Is that fiction? I mean, that sounds pretty ridiculous. You know, that's, that's, that's hard, hard to believe. And all I'll say is this. Jonah was a historical figure. No question about that. Nobody denies that he was a historical person. Um, that the cities that are referenced in this story are historical cities. Um, that um, 
Jesus actually talked himself about the story of Jonah as a literal story. He says, you know, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, so I will be in the earth for three days before I'm raised to life again. And uh, he, he references Jonah, uh, calls it the sign of Jonah that he would be, you know, he'd, he'd be raised again. Um, so this was written to be read as fact. Right, just so you know, this was this was presented as factual in the scriptures. You don't have to believe it. You you can say, oh, I'm not sure if this is fact or fiction. But it was written, and it's not presented in a way that's meant to be read figuratively or anything like that. This is not an allegory or a fairy tale. Um, this is supposed to be factual story. Actually happened. So three days after Jonah's in the belly of the whale, it says the whale, the fish, God instructs the fish to spit him back up on on the shore. And, uh, and he does, and Jonah finds himself on the beach. And God gives Jonah another chance here. He says, all right, going to go to Nineveh again. Second chance here. Go to Nineveh. Tell the people what I asked. I'm giving you a second chance. And Jonah probably weighs his options like, you know, that whale's kind of smelly. I don't think I want to do that again. So Jonah goes. Uh, and this time he obeys. He goes to Nineveh. He shares the message of God that God had given him with the people that they're living in sinful ways and that God's judgment is going to come on them because they're they're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're living in just very wicked ways. And God's justice demands that he deals with it. And it, what happens is one of the most incredible things. The entire city, from the king on down, they listen to Jonah's message, they respond, and they acknowledge that Jonah, that they, that they, that they were wrong, that they're in the wrong. They repent. Uh, they and and they say, God, you're right. We're listening. They change. They hold this corporate fast and and this time of, of just grieving to say we we've been so wrong. We had no idea. And what happens is that because of their response, God relents. And he says that you know what? I'm going to save save the city. I'm not going to I'm not going to put my pour my judgment out on them. It's this incredible thing. And essentially, they live happily ever after. It's really so cool, right? It's an amazing story. It's fun. It's cool. It's inspiring. It's got some wild stuff, you know, with, with a whale and things like that. And it's just a great story, except for the fact that Jonah ruins it. Jonah absolutely ruins this story. And if I were God, I would not have included the fourth chapter. The first three chapters are great. tells us awesome story. Ends on a, such a high note, you know, there should be like a musical number at the end where everybody's dancing wearing like fish costumes or something. It would be great. But instead... What you have here is Jonah, right, coming in, and, and God tells even the ugly parts of his story. It's just something interesting you find over and over in Scripture. God doesn't hide these parts of humanity, just sort of the ugly underbelly of, of, of our lives, where it should have been great, it should have ended there, but God just shows us that there's humanity involved in this. And it's, uh, we have to believe that you know, for us, with this, with this story, there's something in there we need to know about what happens here in this fourth chapter of Jonah after all this great stuff has happened. So to summarize, people of Nineveh, Nineveh sorry, deserve punishment, right? God sends Jonah to let them know it's coming. He doesn't want to do it. He runs away, swallowed by a big fish, you know, spits back on land. God gives him a second chance. Jonah says, all right, I'll go. He tells the people they repent. God relents. It's an awesome story. Everything is good. Everything is awesome. And then we read chapter 4, verse 1. And here we go. It says this, this change of plans, there it is, this change of plans that the plan was, right, to judge them, the change of plans that God was going to relent greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. There you have it. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Can we just stop right there? The change of plans greatly upset Jonah. Didn't Jonah just save a city full of people? 
Didn't he just speak and a city full of people were saved? Right? Didn't God just forgive a city filled with people? Like, this wasn't a waste of time, Jonah. That whole trip, that, that, that trip that you took, that whole thing, this wasn't a waste of time. It worked. People responded. It was a success. The city is saved. Right? You gave the message, they listened, and, and, God, and, and they responded, and God responded. This was a, a win, win, win for everybody. Apparently not for Jonah. It's verse 2. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you were going to do this, Lord, he says? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Basically, Jonah is saying here, I knew you were going to forgive them. You always forgive them. You're so predictable, God. You are always going to forgive people. That's why I went the other direction. So Jonah is essentially annoyed that God is kind and merciful and gracious and loving. He's annoyed. It can be so confusing. What's wrong with you, Jonah? What is your, what's your problem, man? Like, what are you doing? What is your problem? And he'll clear it up for us real quickly. Verse 3, here we go. It says, just kill me now, Lord. Oh boy, this guy's having a bad day. Kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And there it is. There it is. There's where we hear what's going on with Jonah. There's where we hear why Jonah is so upset. Ready? He's embarrassed. He predicted doom. He predicted doom. And God gave grace. He promised pain. And God gave mercy. He promised judgment. And God didn't, <coughs> excuse me, God didn't do that. And Jonah felt stupid. He just felt dumb. I knew you were going to forgive God, and that's why I didn't want to go in the first place. You're always sending me to warn people, and then you let them off the hook, and I end up looking foolish. I can then hear God in a very calm, in a very calm but very firm voice, say this. He asks Jonah this question. Is it right for you to be angry about this? Is it right for you to be angry about this? What a question. It's the question that needs answering here. I mean, this is a, a perfect story. It's a fairy tale story. And he's angry. And God's saying, is it right for you to be angry? It's the question to ask. And Jonah doesn't answer. He doesn't answer. We read on. It says, then Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. So we can read here very simply, Jonah went to sulk. And watch his reputation go down in flames. That's what he's doing here. He's sulking. He's upset. It says, And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow up. And it soon spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, same question. Is it right for you to be angry? Because the plant died. Yes, Jonah replies, even angry enough to die. I'm just telling you, Jonah doesn't sound like a guy anybody would want to hang out with. He just sounds like a miserable person. What are you always so angry about all the time? You're angry about everything. 
Seriously, good's happening all around you and you're constantly complaining, Jonah. There's so much good happening around you and you're complaining. I don't know if you know people like that. Fortunately, we're not together so you don't have to point at them. You don't have to go. But we all know there are people that just can find no good in, in some. There's this great stuff happening all around them and that's Jonah. That's Jonah. That's the kind of guy he is. And the Lord says, verse 10, the Lord says, you feel sorry about the plant, although you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. And then God closes with this. This is how the book closes, how the story closes. This is the end of it. There's not a great amount of resolution here. This is how it ends. Verse 11. But Nineveh, God says, has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals, because God cares about the animals. And God asks Jonah this question. This is how the book ends with a question. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Just a few thoughts, and then I'll like, let you get back to your couch and staying at home and not touching anybody. So just, just give me a few more, few more moments here. What set Jonah off was a change in plans. The plan was for Jonah to say his piece and for God to crush the people to execute judgment. The plan was for sinful people to get what's coming. The plan was for judgment, but the plan changed. And Jonah lost his mind. He absolutely lost his mind. Why? Why did Jonah lose his mind when the plans changed? It wasn't just that he was a type A personality who thrived on order. You know, he just couldn't handle the change. You know, and, and I wouldn't know anything about that. You know, who moved my G's? Uh, you know, it wasn't just that there was change in the system and Jonah couldn't handle it. It wasn't so much just that. There was something else going on. And here's what it is. A change of plans reveals a heart. It reveals the priorities of our heart, the values of our heart. It reveals what we care about. Jonah had no love in his heart for the city. He had no love in his heart for the people. He had no love in his heart for anybody else but himself. He said what God told him to, but he didn't actually want them to listen. He didn't want them to respond. He didn't want them to repent. Jonah didn't care about the people. Just so we're clear, he was displaying a prejudice towards these people. They don't deserve good, is what Jonah's thinking. They don't deserve this. Right? He had a plan in his head of how this was supposed to go. They deserve judgment. They are bad people. They did bad things, and they deserve pain. That's what Jonah is thinking. Right? He wants fairness. He knew, he knew what the best plan for them was going to be. He cared more about what people thought about him than what happened to them. He actually didn't care for people at all. There, there can't be a clearer example of somebody who lives so much for self. And just so we're clear, Jonah's not the hero in the story. Jonah's not the hero at all. Right? This, isn't, this isn't, like the book is named after Jonah. It's the story of what happened to Jonah in the words. But it's not a, he's not a hero. Right? He, he's not an, he, it's not an example for us. We don't want to be like Jonah. Right? His actions screamed, me, me, me. You're going to make me look bad, God. You always do this. You're going to make me look bad. That's all he cared about. And my comfort and what, what, what I think should happen, then I don't think that those people should have grace. So I don't want to be part of this because my plans for them and what I think is fair is different. All he cared about was fairness for himself. So much so that he ran in the opposite direction of God. And he was furious when God showed love and mercy. Sometimes a change in plans reveals how much me is in my heart. I hate having to change plans. 
And here's some of the reasons I hate having to change plans. It means more work for me. It means more effort from me, more time for me. I've already planned for this. That means I have to go back and do it over again. It means I have to gear up again and put more energy into it. So it's very selfish, right? Those are the things. It's inconvenient, right? Those are the, those are the reasons I don't like changing plans. I made a plan. Just worked a plan. I already did that work. Now I just get to run program. And you're making me do more work. I don't like because it's so self focused. It can make me look foolish. It can make me look unprepared or weaker like I didn't think this through. And I did. So a change of plans. It can be so self-motivated self, uh, here. I had a plan. And if all I care about is how it affects me, then guess what? I'm just like Jonah. I'm just like Jonah. But I've got good news. Because a change of plans also reveals what's in the heart of God the Father. And His heart is always for this city. His heart is always for the people. His heart is always for our good, for love, for grace, for mercy. God's heart was not just justice. He was absolutely about justice. God is a God who will make all wrongs right. He is a just God. He does what's, what's, what's right. He absolutely does what's right. But that is not his desire to, just, to only be just. His greatest desire is to be loving, to be forgiving, to be gracious, to be merciful. That's who he is. It's one of the clearest demonstrations in all of Scripture of the love of God. These were not the chosen people of Israel. This was not the, the, the included in, in his kingdom at the time. These were outsiders, people who knew nothing of God. They weren't following God. They didn't know his law. They knew nothing. Yet when they heard about God and when they responded, God was quick to relent, quick to include them, quick to incorporate them into his body because that's the heart of God. See, a change of plans, when you see a change of plans, it tells you something about the one who's making the plans. And God says very clearly here, it revealed his heart that his heart was for people. All right, so what? So what? What do we do with this? Well, there's unquestionably been a change of plans. I'm here talking to a video camera. Right? There's a change of plans. We're not together today. Right? Your work situations have changed. Our school situations have changed. Our society has changed. Our nation has changed. The world has changed. We're in the, early in the past week, week and a half. So much has changed. This has been a change of plans. Some of you had plans for travel, for plans for vacations, plans for spring break, plans for how things are going to go. And guess what? They're all gone. So, how are we reacting to it? Here's the question I have for you. Are you getting angry about it? Are you getting upset? I, I, I can understand. Are you getting upset? Are you frustrated? Are you afraid? Are you scared? Are you annoyed? Because a change of plans reveals what's in our heart. It may not reveal anger in you, but it may reveal fear in you. It may reveal other things that are going on in your heart. And it reveals what has our heart. What do we care about most? Right? Those things come out when our plans get changed. It's just a very revealing uh, circumstance, a very revealing time. It reveals what we care about. Who are you feeling compassion for? Who are your eyes focused on? Are you only focused on yourself? Is it me, me, me? Or are you thinking through what does this mean for other people? Are you being considered? Are you being compassionate? Do I love my city? Here's the question. Do I love my city more than I love my plans? More than more than I love my comfort, more than I love myself? <clears throat> do I actually love this town, my neighbors? Do I care about them? Or am I only concerned about the impact it has on me? See, it reveals something about us. We may not run from a physical city, but I want to ask you, do you love the people that live around you? Do you love your neighbors? Do you actually love them? Do you care? Are they just, are they just faces that you see as you go by? Or do you, is there something in your heart that cares for them? Right? The people who are, particularly the people who are different from you, 
people that you might not talk to, the people that you might not like the way they cut their grass, you might not like the way they talk to their kids, or you might not, you might not like the way that they choose to live their lives. Maybe the people that vote different than you, people that live different than you, hold different values than you, people have no regard for God. Like, do you, do you care about them? Do you love them? Or do you just want them to get justice? Do you just want them to get what's coming to them? Do you have love? Change of plans. It reveals stuff. So pay attention. Pay attention to people around you. Because here's the deal. God loves them. He always has and he always will. The heart of God is always for people. People are primary. One of our core values because they're primary to God. Not because we chose that, but because he has revealed that. People are primary to God. And if they're primary to him, then we have to accept that and embrace that for our own lives. Let me ask you this. Would you be angry if God forgave people? Who would you be angry if God forgave them? Are the people that you're like, man, I hope God never forgives them and gives them justice? That's revealing. Who is it that you'd be angry if God forgave? Who would you be angry if God blessed? Well, they don't deserve it. Why is God blessing them? I've been, I've been more faithful. I've been here. I've been doing the work because that's not what it's about. God doesn't bless us based on our faithfulness in that sense. He blesses us because he loves us. Because he loves us. Right? So, just pay attention to those things. It's, do you deserve it more because you've been faithful? No, of course not. It's amazing how this change of plans can reveal so much about what's going on in our hearts. It's amazing how a change of plans can be so revealing. I believe this change of plans is an opportunity. We've been spit up on the beach like Jonah, and God has given us a chance here. A chance to reveal his love to the people around us, to let them know how good he is, how much he loves them. Um, don't physically go, please, because that's not allowed right now. Don't touch anybody. Um, but as the season unfolds, I just want to invite you to ask God uh, to work on your heart, to, to, search, to touch your heart, to give you a heart for the city, for your town, for your community, for your neighbors, for your friends, for the people that you wouldn't talk to. If there's certain people groups that you just, you just say, I would never talk to them, let God give you a heart for them. Really say, God, I want to invite you to do that. This change of plans, it's an opportunity. It, it reveals God's heart and it reveals our heart. And we can invite God to work in that and to let us be a loud, loving church that can celebrate with joy the good things that happen. Jonah missed an opportunity. He really could have shared. He could have celebrated. It could have been a tremendous victory and it really could have been an awesome story. And instead, he just allowed that selfishness in his heart to rob him of that celebration of that joy. God wants to do all sorts of good stuff. And a change of plans, it can, be, it can be all sorts of stuff for us, but we get to choose. And if we'll delight ourselves in what God delights in, and guess what? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. So, uh, again, have no idea what the something new is, but God's doing it, and I trust that it's going to be good. So, God bless you, church. Let's just close in a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, I ask... Lord, for everybody that's watching this, that's viewing this right now, Lord, you know just the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Lord, you know the unknowns, the just instability within uh, all, of our, all of our plans and, and, and of our expectations. God, we ask, we invite you to work and just, just pour out your peace on us. Help us all to, to trust that you're in control, to know it, to sense it. And God, I ask for everybody who's listening today, Lord, that you would reveal what's in our hearts, that we would see you and, and trust you with this change of plans, to know that you're working in it for good, and we know that if we follow you day by day, you're going to do something good, and we'll get to celebrate with you on the other side. We just have to trust you in it. It's in your wonderful name that <laughs> we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless the church. 
And uh, looking forward to when we get to be together with you soon. All the best. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.